to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. But you know, for me, I'm that cool father, so... <laughs> yeah. We are talking about we are doing the preps formula and if you've been attending your cell group then you probably know that the first is P which is prayer and then the second is R which is reflection. Now it's very important that you attend the cell groups because I'm not teaching the notes. For me, I'm coming up to spice up with a revelation and something that the Lord will reveal. But today, I'm going to talk about reflection and perhaps if I was given the title a sermon, um, I would either call it judge yourself, I would call it examine yourself, I would call it judging, I would call it be judgmental, you know, so you can pick from any of those. But there's a gift that God has given us as people, as human beings. It's not just limited to Christians, but one gift that God has given us, and especially in the body of Christ, is the privilege to be able to judge ourselves the privilege to be able to examine ourselves. There are many people who think that Judgment Day will be such a mystery. Like such a mystery. Like you won't know. Like maybe will something come up which I didn't know and the like. Now, for a believer, that shouldn't be the case. Because you can have Judgment Day every day. As a matter of fact, you can live your life judged. I don't know if somebody is getting my point. If you've um, booked a flight before, you notice that a few hours before the flight, if you're using a digital platform, you have an opportunity to be able to choose your seat in advance. You can do a self, what do they call it? A self check-in, right? So meaning already from your device, you can be able to tell that you sit this side, you do this, and when you, when you pass through, it's just for confirmations and regularities. I believe 
it's the same thing with judgment day. You can do a self-check-in even before you enter heaven. You can tell. Why do you think the Apostle Paul was so sure where he was going? Praise God. And it's one of the gifts God has given us. The gift of self-examination. Unfortunately, people don't use it often. They use it on others. But they rarely use it on themselves. Maybe that was the heart behind what Jesus said about judging. Let's look at it, what he said about judging. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. By the way, the topic of judging is one that must be analyzed very carefully and you must learn to rightly divide the word of truth. Otherwise, if you don't learn to rightly divide the word of truth, there are some people you can call judgmental who are just helping you. And in essence, Christians have been designed to be judgmental. After all, we are the ones who judge angels. According to the scriptures. But then it's the heart from which we do it. But nevertheless, that's a topic for another day. You should remind me, one of these Bible studies, let's go through what the scriptures say about it. Because there was a time the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, he actually complained. Let me show you, 1 Corinthians 6. Then I'll come to this. He actually complained that in the body of Christ, they were not doing proper judgments. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Let's go on. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Next verse. Do you not know that, the, that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Now, this also shows you that there is a need in the body of Christ for a growth in the gift of wisdom. Because we should be able to handle matters. And there are some things we should be able to deal with internally. In the body of Christ, we should be able to cancel marriages. We should be able to fix things that are wrong. We should be able to fix relationships. We should be able to fix friendships. We should be able to fix company districts. They should be saying, okay, we've tried paying negotiators. We've not managed. We're asking for that church to come and work out this dispute. And that's why it's also important that we're knowledgeable in matters that pertain to this life. Because you can't judge what you don't know. But let's go to Matthew 7 because we're in another topic. So Jesus says something about judging, and I want you to see the heart behind it was self-examination. He says, judge not that you be not judged. Uh -huh. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If you had to understand this scripture, you'll be able to answer a lot of questions. I'll give you an example. I've been asked before, pastor, 
is it holy for a believer to be a law enforcement agent? I've been asked that question. Is it, is it, is it, is it holy for them to be in a position where they may have to take down a criminal? I've been asked those questions. First, you think when a David used to do what? <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> what, so what, do you, what exactly do you think happened between David and Goliath? I can answer that question very simply. He says something interesting. He says the measure which you use to be judged, to judge, is the measure that will be used against you. So for starters, if a criminal is shot down, it's not the person who shot them down, it's the law. They are simply enforcing the law. And if by the very law, now here is where the challenge comes in. The only challenge there, where it becomes ungodly, is if here I am, uh, I'm doing the wrong things. But then I use the very law to attack another person, and yet by the very law I'm guilty, then that law will judge me. Because God uses the measure which you used. So that's... <laughs> so there is nothing ungodly about someone being in law enforcement or someone being... But by that same law, let them make sure they are also in the right track. That's how it works. And if they are not, God has designed the world in such a way that for most people, the world will find its way of judging them even before God does. Why? Jesus gave us a law that he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Haven't you noticed that most, uh, if you study the history of African leaders and even world leaders, most of them who ruled with an iron fist and killed people ended up being killed by someone they trusted. It's how the world has been designed. So it says, the measure which you use, it will be measured back to you. This is why, if you are going to judge whether somebody can be born again based on how they've lived, then by that same measure, you're disqualifying yourself from being born again. Because none of us got born again by how we lived. We got born again by what we believed. I hope you're hearing me. That is why somebody can come to my office and tell me the worst of stories. I can never disqualify them from being born again. Because if I'm to apply that same measure to myself, where would I have been? That's the spirit behind that verse. And that's why you should always remind yourself how you got saved. I've been singing a song this week. I think my wife played it once. You know that thing where your wife plays a song? I'm sure you, the gentleman know what I mean. Like where your wife plays a song, and then you forget it. And then weeks later, the melody is in your head. And then you come tell her, oh, there's this song I want you to hear, because she's the one who played it for you. <laughs> Do you know that one? Uh, now I'm alive to tell my story. What you have done. Something there, right? To goodness and mercy and the power of your blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. 
It's your goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. When you understand such scriptures, you can help anyone. But you rebuke them. Now, just on this topic of judging, there are times you rebuke a person and they say, hey, you're disobeying what Jesus said, you're judging. Are you aware that rebuking is one of the best things a person can do to you if they love you? Do you know that rebuking is a sign that someone thinks very highly of you? Let me explain. Now, I say this with no disrespect. There was a time I was walking from Cheers, and as I was walking to the office, there was a gentleman whom um, medically is probably regarded as uh, in a full-blown state of mental retardation. And as I was walking, he stopped in the road and began urinating. Nobody stopped him. Probably because due to the medical state, people don't necessarily think highly of him. Nobody stopped him to rebuke him. It means that's what people expect from him. One of you should try that. You'll be rebuked for it. Why? Because people probably expect better of you. You will never find somebody whipping their dog for barking. But if someone went home and then their child keeps imitating a dog, it will, it will stop being adorable after a few, after one or two minutes. And the child is busy, whoo, whoo, it will stop being adorable. It will stop being adorable eventually. And they'll be rebuked because of what the person thinks of them. So if a person did something wrong, and I gave them a call, and I said, A, B, C, D is wrong. I don't expect that from you. What does that say about how I see them? And that's the way the Holy Spirit rebukes as well. Because he sees you very highly. So now let's continue. For with what judgment you judge, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Next verse. And why do you look at the speck? Remember the topic self-examination, right? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Next verse. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. Let's go on. Hypocrite. And the word hypocrite means actor. First remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So he's actually got nothing wrong with you helping your brother with the speck. But can you first examine yourself? So Jesus there is talking all about self-examination have you learned to examine yourself first corinthians 11 verse 27 to 31 now there was a situation taking place the corinthian church like most early churches would have supper together 
and in having supper they would also commemorate the communion but then some people would come for that very hungry and then would want to eat before everybody else imagine we're planning to have a buffet or a bride just to celebrate what the Lord is doing and we want to remember the Lord Jesus we come we find people have already eaten and we're hungry you took long so they were doing that but then we see an important principle that Jesus that that the Apostle Paul teaches he says something in 1st Corinthians 11 verse 27 we're talking about self-examination as you're ending the year therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord let's continue but let a man examine himself somebody say examine yourself. examine yourself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup next verse you're gonna see something here for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the lord's body let's go on for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep next verse for if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged if we judge ourselves we would not be judged one of the very one of the most important things about judging yourself is that it makes you skip judgment if you judge yourself there is no need to be judged and it says for if we would but when we are judged we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world there's something else I discovered on this one um, I learned it as I studied the word do you know that even a rebuke from your leaders makes you skip judgment I'll give you an example there is someone who hadn't done something that they were supposed to do so I was about to pick up the phone and call them and the leader that they report to told me no there is no need I already had a chat they explained and I understand so what could I do now I had to honor my own systems I kept it to myself <laughs> meaning the leader protected them from judgment there are many <laughs> the number of people who've been protected from my phone calls oh god <laughs> now in the same way are you aware that if I came to somebody as their pastor and I corrected them over a matter and if you've studied in the scriptures your pastors will give an account for you then there is no need for God to hold anything haven't you seen in the scriptures where he said whoever you forgive will be forgiven and then whoever who you don't forgive won't be I'm not gonna teach that verse but it's there Oh, and by the way, we teachers will get a stricter judgment. I just thought I should also mention it. We also get a stricter judgment because God has given us authority and we can build and destroy with our words. So you have to give an account. Even if an army went somewhere for a war, they will still have to give an account. Why were all those buildings destroyed? 
they will have to give an account. So it's something that I've learned. I had a very strange experience this week. How many of you remember me telling you how I wrote the book, I Will Be There, God? I started writing it a few years ago. But then I was doing my master's and I got mentally tired of writing. I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about. The dissertation made me tired. Then the very next year, I wasn't planning to do anything school-wise so that my brain could rest. Then one day I'm taking a walk and I come across this college and I entered and I inquired a few questions because I had been planning that one day I would do teaching. Then they got my number and they couldn't stop calling me. So out of irritation, I found myself going to pay the school fees. And I thought it being a diploma program, it wouldn't be very involving. I'd never done a diploma program before. So I think I just had the mentality that since I did a degree and a degree was involving, the diploma, since it takes half the time, will probably be half involving. I found myself with 11 courses, no, nine courses, I think, and each had 11 assessments. So I had 99 assessments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought the books would be like, okay. So I found myself with books. And so before I knew it, I was using my brain again. And so I noticed afterwards that I was fatigued in terms of writing. I know I was. You guys may not have been able to tell, but I know I was. Even documents I produce for the church would take twice the time it usually takes. Like I would sit on the computer and it would take me a while to type. But I'm sure you never noticed. Now, I then was in prayer. I think I was with Pastor Daniel Kayua. He told me, let's meet for prayer. So we met. We're just praying for our lives and everything. And then as we were praying, I heard God say, release the book at the Dominion Conference. I'm like, oh, which book? The same one. Like, wow. Okay. Then I wrote the word down and I decided I would do it. And then that night, I had a dream. And in my dream, I was being told, you've got exams in the next few weeks, and I realized I hadn't studied. I was behind. Then I was given a book, and I was told, if you read this book, you'll catch up. When I woke up, I was told, if you write that book, you'll catch up with your destiny, because you're going to fall behind. I started writing. I started writing and writing. And you know I've got a very good team. The team started putting everything together. I told my wife about it. She gave me quite a lot of space, like just write. Like every phone calls, are you writing? <laughs> Have you written? Are you writing? And I said, doing that. Book was released and everything. This week, I had a very interesting dream. In my dream, I was being given uh, my results. And I was shown the percentage that heaven has recorded, which I've hit for this year. So I'm, 
so I know what I'm talking about. And so now for me, it's now I know what I'm experiencing is very revelatory, but that's why I'm teaching you from the scriptures. So I know, I'm quite sure which areas I did well in and which areas I could have improved. But it's very important that you learn to give yourself an assessment. It's very important. Now, I want you, under, I want you to understand that God does expect judgment in the church. First Peter 4 verse 17 to 18. And I hope you're not seeing judgment as merely right or wrong. Judgment is about policies. It's about setting the tone for how to go. Somebody say glory. glory. The Bible says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Next verse. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, this is your message. Turn to their neighbor and say, this is your message. So very quickly, I want us just to understand a few reasons why this is important. One, it will spare you judgment from God. Number two, it will, if you learn how to self-examine, you prepare yourself for your works to pass through the fire. Let me just say this again before I give my points. Are you aware that one day all our works will pass through a fire? All of them. Some will survive, some won't. And this is not just speaking from without. This is from the scriptures. Our works will be tested by fire. Are you aware? First Corinthians 3. I'm not hearing too much hay today. Verse. Hey, that hay. That hay was for begging. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. Paul is talking about his works that he did with the Corinthian church. And he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. What was he building? People. What was he building? Systems and all that stuff. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Next verse. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Friends, with everything God has done in your life, take heed how you build on it. Be careful what you do with it. Be careful. God can give you the right marriage. You can build the wrong building on it. You can give you the right job. You can use it wrongly. Be careful how you handle what God has given you. Okay, let's go on. Then he says something. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, uh -huh, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it 
because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Let's go on. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. So I'll give you an example. If your aim in life is somebody when you are young I told you you'll never make it, you'll never go far, you'll never do this. If your motivation in life becomes to prove them wrong, imagine you've done everything to do in the world and then when it's tested in the fire, it's realized that you, are never, you never really cared about those orphans you are donating to. You never really cared about those relatives you are helping. You are never really trying to inspire others with your story. You really just wanted to prove that one wrong. Guess what your reward will be? The person will come and say, you proved me wrong. You are right. That's it. Can you imagine that being your own reward? That you proved the person wrong. Motive is important, right? Imagine one day your work is tested in the fire. Nah, let me not say that point. That point is too dangerous. Okay, I'm saying it for the person of this person, the sake of the person who said said it, right? Imagine one day work is tested through the fire, and it's revealed that you had no regard. For that person as a husband, you just wanted to get married. And they were the only option. <laughs> Nothing in you had any regard. As a matter of fact, you secretly detested them. You say, Chimon Twitch. But you needed like, a photo to be posted. Imagine. Then, when the awards for submissive wives are being given, you, you may not be among the sisters. So I've learned to, for me, one thing I've tried to do is, you know, you learn to assess yourself. For example, in this place, let's say you want to be very wealthy. The question is why? Right? So for me, I'll be very, when I ask myself such questions, I'll be very honest. You want to know the answers I give myself? I can tell you a few. Okay. Why? Um, being genuine before God and man, I'm a kingdom financer. I really enjoy financing the kingdom. The fact of the matter is, if I had more money, I'd probably win more souls. It's a fact. I know how I do it. Okay? That's one. Number two, I like nice things. I, I, really, I really do. <laughs> No, I'm being very honest. If God sat me down today and said, Apostle, why do you want... I would be very honest with him. I would say, you said it in your word. The earth has been given to man. And the like. So, I'm very honest with myself. The, the trouble is if you're lying. The trouble is if you're lying before God that I only want wealth because I just want to help all the poor people in the world. Be honest. You also like one or two nice things. The trouble is if you like them at the expense of hurting others. 
that's where the challenge becomes. But yeah, like I said, I like nice things. Um, I want to surpass leaving an inheritance for my children's children. I want to leave an inheritance for my children's children. children, 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 children. <laughs> Should the Lord tarry, I'd really like to do that. And just, um, yeah, you know, everyone in the Bible who got blessed, there were certain things that I could see a certain material one. So I like nice things. And I don't think the wicked should enjoy the earth more than I should, from what I've read in the scriptures. I, I don't think that should be the case. Um, in addition, I believe it's a manifestation of dominion to have a certain element of the resources of the world under my possession and I channel them well. I like those things. I, I know how to, I, I like how to do such. Very interesting questions to ask yourself, right? How many doctorates do I think I'll get? A few. Why? I know my assignment. God has literally showed me from the scriptures that I've been given the tongue of the learned. Then there are certain places where I've only been respected because of what I've studied before they even care about what I've encountered. You know, there was somebody I led to Christ. They're actually part of us now. How I led them to Christ, I received a phone call and the call said, hi, um, I've had some spiritual questions, but I don't want to be lied to. So I thought, Aka, you are educated. So I thought you're the person I can call. I helped them out. And afterwards, I told them, any pastor who's not educated, you should still respect them. But first, I helped them out. And they are very, very, they're very powerful Christian now. Now, very quickly, ladies and gentlemen, I want us to understand that there are seasons, even here on earth, where God analyzes us, where God judges us. And you'd make it easier for yourself if you could self-examine. In the year 2012, I had a dream in that dream, I was walking with two people. And there were people I regarded much higher than myself when it came to ministry. As we were walking, we reached a river. And then I found myself this side. And then they were that side. And then the Holy Spirit came and was right next to me in form of glory. Like glory was standing next to me. And then he started speaking to me and said, okay, so over the next few months, there are certain things that will happen and some things will be revealed. And then you're the one who's going to progress in ministry. Not them. A few months later, WEM started. And I think you can't talk about young ministers in Zambia without talking about me. It's just not possible. Actually, it's reaching a stage for some people where it's not even young ministers. You can't talk about ministers in Zambia without talking about me. Because some of the things we are doing, 
I don't mean this in form of boast, but if you are to see the questions I receive, I, I was doing a Q&A, I think two days ago on ministry, and I, I was receiving the same questions all around because it doesn't make sense. How can one person, for that matter, young, their biggest two meetings, one's a Mulungushi, one's a government complex in the same year. Where do you get the money? Where do you get the people? Where do you get the resources? How come when you call for people, they come? How come ABCD happens? I'm telling you, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Somebody asked me saying, how do you guys gather people? I said, no, we evangelize. As in, like, how can you answer like that? We also do it. <laughs> now, later on, I had another experience. And it was when I was about to be done with university. I had a dream that I came back and I was preaching at Siwela Hall. So when I woke up, I thought, oh my goodness, that means I'll fail. So I'll still be the way Munza chairperson. <laughs> Later on, God revealed to me that in my life, well on campus, I had passed the test. And so the reward was he was going to now allow me to pastor people. Because having conferences and pastoring people is very different. Now it was, with, with, with conferences, you can inspire, you can push, you can project, you can do all that stuff. With pastoring, you're handling a person's life. So he told me the test had been passed. Then, I had another experience. Is somebody following me? I hope you guys are getting something from this. I had another experience, I've just forgotten the year, but there was a period when I felt the church was becoming disorderly. For starters, we had like 15, 20 spiritual fathers. People were cousins and aunties and uncles and the like. <laughs> Some of you were not there. Right? Yeah, but then it was becoming... And then apart from that, there were other people who... I'm the pastor here. Uh, there's a spiritual father somewhere else. And then there's a mentor somewhere else, and there's someone somewhere else. So now I've said, let's uh, have a bride. That side they've said fast for four months, and then this side they've said this, this side they've said. There were so many voices. And I started finding it disorderly because I was not able to promote the vision the way I wanted to promote it. Now that one was interesting because I didn't hear God, but I just found it disorderly. So I made a decision that I was going to change things and there was going to be order. There is a reason why we, we started saying, I would like to acknowledge my man of God. It was very deliberate. There was something, there was a culture we were trying to build. It was actually very deliberate. We, I'm even the one who started it. I told them from now on, tell the person to say this. I knew what we were doing. And I know how it has helped the ministry, by the way. Because anyone who joins knows the authority structure. So now, in that period, I made a decision. I examined it myself, and I made a decision. And I decided that anyone who was not going to abide to that would have to leave. And we made membership even more strict. Guys, the amount of criticism I received from that in the circles, I was criticized. I was told, what kind of a pastor is that? And within a month, I asked 20 people to leave. 
I remember conversations. I somehow would have a conversation and they said, no, um, you're like my pastor for on Sunday, but Saturday I go somewhere else and so I can't attend any activities if you call for them on Saturday. I said, you have to leave. I was very frank. Now, what kind of pastor asks people to leave? I started feeling like such a bad person because some of the reviews I would get. Then, one morning, I wake up to a dream. And in the dream, three angels appear. And then one of them starts speaking to me and begins to explain that because of what I did, God was increasing our numbers. I'm not even joking. Then the other angel spoke to me about loyalty. I've never even shared what was spoken. But he began to explain the connection between spiritual gifts and loyalty and how there was going to have to be an abundance of gifts. Because what happens is when God is choosing who is going to grow in grace, he'll say, okay, who's available, who's around. So there are some people right now who are leaders who would have never been leaders if you were not in this ministry. I'm telling you, there are some people who would have never been. And there are some people who are going to be who would have never been. But it's loyalty and availability. There are some people whom grace increases simply because of loyalty and availability. Simply because of that. Then, interestingly, you'd find it interesting that as the years have gone by since I made that decision, many people who had external mentors, their mentors have started churches. What would have happened right now? There would have been arguments. Why have I shared that? It's because God always has seasons where the master comes to check what you're doing with the talents. He always has seasons where the master comes to check what we're doing with the talents. And I can tell you story after story. Uh, there was a time the church approached me through the very top of the top leadership. And they said, Pastor, there's something I want to start doing for you. It was something financial, which I won't reveal. And I refused. And we fought for some time. They kept insisting, and I refused. They insisted. I had a dream, and God said, don't block them. The moment they started doing that, partnership doubled. You never notice how partnership always used to be 22, 23. The moment that decision was made, partnership said hitting 60, 70. <laughs> By the way, I received a dream this morning about where our partnership is about to start going. <laughs> now, if God speaks about partnership, then who is he really talking about? He's talking about you. Is somebody learning a few things today? Something that I've learned, you know, these are sermons I can only preach here. Because something that I've learned when you're dealing with your congregation is there are times you have to talk. So very quickly now, let me start ending. I want you to reflect as a priest, as a Christian, are you okay? Or have you backslidden? Have you backslidden? It's a very important question to ask yourself. Now, backsliding is in two realms. 
The first realm of backsliding is the one people rarely notice. It's where you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Where you start omitting to do what you're supposed to do. I'll, I'll use a marriage as an example. And I'll use a husband. Husbands have been commanded to love their wives. So now love means that there is an object of your love and then you channel your resources, emotional, financial, physical, and all sorts of resources towards that object. So now the fact that you're not channeling it to somebody else doesn't mean that you're doing the right thing. What am I trying to say? If as a husband you stop giving attention and you comfort yourself by saying it's not like I'm giving attention to somebody else, that doesn't mean you're being a good husband. You're just not cheating, but that doesn't mean you're being good. So even when it comes to our walk of faith, the first thing you ask yourself is, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Let me show you from the scriptures. Revelations 2 verse 4. Let's start from verse 1. Why do I feel like you're enjoying this message? You're loving it, huh? Revelations 2, look at verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. By the way, by the way, let me just mention this. If you had to understand how the book of Revelations was written, how each church got a different message, you'll understand why, as a pastor, I'll be offended. If I came to you today to preach a message like this, but you didn't come because you were visiting another place. Because what if to the angel of that other church there was another message written which was addressing the culture that side? But then for the church of Ephesus, there was something specific written at that moment to address something. And another thing that you also realize is that every you also understand why we're very deliberate about church culture because the church was being judged as a church. So if God came and gave an assessment of COL, what will he say about us? What are we good at? What are we not good at? And if we don't learn to address issues, they spread and become a culture. Why? Because they are friendships. Notice that whenever there is friendships, there is spreading of culture. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that if one of you is not happy with me, most likely four of you won't be happy with me? And then those other three have friends. No, that's how a culture spreads. No, let me tell you something. A church is interesting. In the same ministry, you can have one person giving a testimony. I've never felt at home. I've never found people more welcoming than in this place. And another person, the very same service as they are walking out, people here are not welcoming. <laughs> very same place, because you can experience a different reality. But that's why we have to address a corporate culture. <laughs> Praise God. Now, it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lamp of, of the golden lampstands. Uh-huh. Let's go on. I know your works, 
your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and they are not, and have found them liars. I've met a lot of such people. I'll tell you what I mean. Next verse. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Haven't you ever met people who can analyze doctrine? They can tell you who's a proper pastor, who's not a proper pastor. They can tell you of the churches they've built with their money. They can tell you of the pastors they've supported, of the, of the orphanages they've built, of all those things that they've done. No challenge with doctrine can be deceived. But notice what their challenge was. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. So it's very possible to be very doctrinal. To know the what's and the what's nots. To know how to talk the talk, how to walk the walk. You do what you're supposed to do. You give your tithe. You give your offerings. You give us a nice face during worship. You're not going anywhere wrong. But you've just lost that first love, that devotion, that... I don't know if you're getting my point. Next verse. What does he tell them? Remember from where you have fallen. Hey, so if you lose your first love, you've fallen. According to God. And that shows your love is a very high place. Maybe, maybe it's the highest calling. Maybe. Because, because it's interesting that when you lose it, the Bible calls it falling. So there's just a chance. But maybe it's the highest calling. To love my and he says, repent and do the first works. Or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from this place unless you repent. In short, the moment that part ends, you're becoming irrelevant. You say, no, I'll just come and just, I'll stop moving with this church in Ephesus. I'll go to the other one. Never lose that. Never lose that. And, that, and you know one, one tip I can give you with never losing that? When you go before God, any crown, remove it. I don't address God as an apostle. I address Satan as that. Before God, it's, Lord, I'm just here to say I love you. You're wonderful. You're amazing. Yeah. That's the way it is. I think I was praising God with my wife. Uh, should have been Saturday, early Saturday morning. And always singing. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Na 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 na. But the miracle that I just can't my name. Sweet and dirt in heaven. And that's the biggest celebration. That my name is registered in heaven. Hey! This is my testimony. I'm here to lie. 
Cause grace we wrought by story, how testify. Amen. I forgot the rest of the words. But just that, never lose that. Never lose it. Okay. In those moments where you go and notice, and in the ordinary day to day, countless miracles of life all around us flow like arrows to your name. Let our voices rise. All creation cries, singing out an endless Alleluia. From this moment on, hey, let's join with heaven's song, singing out an endless Alleluia. Sing like never before, and oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Okay, just this part, let's go. The sun comes up. Let's say it's a new week. It's a new week, darling. It's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me <laughs> i will be singing when the weekend comes <laughs> and bless the lord oh my soul and oh my soul i'll worship your I'll sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your name. Okay, just the second verse, then I'll finish. Let's go. You're rich in love and you're slow to. Your name is great, your name, and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, everyone. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Hey! Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Hold on. The biggest problem is not necessarily that it's difficult to get back to your first love. The biggest problem is if you can't examine yourself. And let me tell you how you know if you can't examine yourself. It's when you tell yourself, after all, at least, or the worst, at least I'm not like that one. <laughs> that one who they even see uh, busy testifying in front. That one, we know their story. At least I'm not like. That, 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 that's the first course in becoming a Pharisee. I'm not like. I'm better than first course after all 
Yeah. And now why am I saying it's not difficult? Because the formula Jesus gave, he says repent and go back to the first work. So you just go back to what you used to do. It's that simple. You just go back to what you used to do. Maybe for some of you what you used to do was you used to pay attention. Then you've noticed you've stopped paying attention because that person you sit next to always is for story. Change your seat. Start sitting that side. Tell them God has given you a revelation that there is something for you somewhere in that other corner. Go sit next to the person who looks the most unfriendly. Pay attention. I don't know if you're getting my I don't know if you're getting my point. Is somebody getting my point? Maybe initially you used to wake up to pray. You stopped. Wake up. Set an alarm. Wake up to pray. Like, sometimes the easiest thing is just go back. Like, have you ever been lost when you're driving? Isn't the best thing to go back to the road that you came from? You'll say, okay, let me at least find greatest road. So if you can find yourself somewhere in the road where there is prayer, where there is worship, where there is devotion, sooner rather than later, you will find your way. Praise God. And then, very quickly, I had a lot to say. The rest is really about assessing how you're doing in every other area of life. That's a long teaching, but God taught me to emphasize this one today. The rest, I'm sure your cell leaders are emphasizing. But there's something sharp that he told me, though. He said, if you notice something that's posing a threat to your spiritual well-being, your emotional well-being, your financial well-being, your physical well-being and all those things. Deal with it. Don't ignore it. There are certain things that don't go by ignoring. When I was thinking about that, there's an example I was thinking of. Uh, during the time when my wife was pregnant, we used to take a lot of walks, as is advised. So one time we were taking a walk and we turned into a road we hadn't used before. And you know, it started like a joke because we saw another family walking with my dogs, to my little one. And so we laughed about it. And then we hear a dog barking in one gate, continuing walking, and it was like a flat. So one of the people opened the gate and drove out. And so the dog comes out, and that person didn't care because it wasn't their dog. Before we know it, the dog is confronting us aggressively. You can't close your eyes and imagine you're not in the situation. <laughs> eat and sleep and it won't be there anymore. That's the difference between adulting and being a kid. Adulting, the things find you when you wake up. They don't disappear by you imagining them out. You can't rewind. It's not FIFA where you can restart. 
It's the real world. Praise God. And I remember, you know, my everything I'd ever watched. If I was alone, would have probably done a hundred meter dash, right? <laughs> to see who, just to see who's faster. Would have probably done a hundred meter dash, but I wasn't alone. So what I did is, I stood in front of Muelo and the baby. And then I said, so first thing you do is you don't run because with dogs, you don't do that. And then you don't give them your back because animals, when you give them your back, they think you're target. And as it was barking, I was talking at it very aggressively as well. Then the owner came out and was visiting it. Everest, go back in. I said, you will go. It's making its moves. I'm also doing this. I was ready there. Okay, you know what? If it's fighting, we'll fight. As in, but <laughs> come what may, you're not touching my wife. But fighting will fight. Whether I come out with blood, whatever, I don't care. Fighting will fight. But you're not, it's not possible. You're not going to touch my wife. And so that went on for over five minutes, actually. We kept going at each other for over five minutes. Until eventually went back in. Then my wife stopped me. I wanted to drive to their home and have a talk with. I still remember the gate. <laughs> but allow me just to say something. Guys, if you've got a dog, don't, why should you allow it outside to disturb people who are walking? <laughs> If you're one of those people who does that in the pretext of it doesn't bite, <laughs> stop. Hallelujah. Your relationship with it is not everyone's relationship with it. I mean, how do you name a dog Everest? Anyways, bad name for a dog. Okay. <laughs> Let's finish up. I've named it Kilimanjaro or something. Right? My point is this. If you don't deal with certain issues, they'll deal with you. So you've noticed, like you've sat down, you've assessed your year. How come every year, the year doesn't end? You're not married, the year doesn't end, Paka, you sleep with someone. So you've not seen that there's a problem. You've not seen that that issue needs to be dealt with. You've not seen that it needs to be dealt with. What do you think those grown men are doing going to pack their cars and also looking for small girls? It's issues they never dealt with when they were 20. Things they never dealt with when they were 22, when they were 24. Those issues won't die by you just ignoring them. For that matter, if I was in a men's conference, I would have told you that when it comes to those issues for men, those issues don't die by you being in love. Because for men, it's not usually a question of love, it's a question of discipline. It's a question of discipline. Without discipline, a man can cheat on someone they love. It's a question of discipline. Haven't you noticed that that issue keeps, things that keep, deal with it, confront it, deal with the matters. Check, is this spiritual, is this physical, is this what? Deal with it. If you want, be the one who is always on the list. Well, when we come to the office, like, ah, well, until we finish dealing with that issue. Let them know you. Well, when they're making the list of appointments, they even put your name. Automatic. They even call you. Let's finish up those issues. 
and that's a challenge we have you found yourself in two relationships have you ever asked yourself okay fine you've ended them now but have you ever asked yourself how on earth did you find yourself in that position have you dealt with the how on earth that made you find yourself in that position because if you've not dealt with the how on earth and you're still on earth deal with those issues somebody say <laughs> friends if you don't deal with issues moses you can clearly see where the issue was coming from levi was cursed by jacob is it jacob who cursed levi he said cursed is your anger all the years down what led to moses leaving egypt it was his anger what led to him not entering the promised land it was his anger learn recognize an issue if it's there there is no shame in recognizing an issue listen the embarrassment of opening up does not amount to the glories of being helped and for those who help take heed how you help <laughs> otherwise god will also deal with you saying i gave an opportunity for you to help someone they came to open up and the whole church knew no god no in that case you are the one who the blood will now be on their hands ladies and gentlemen if there's an issue to be dealt with deal with it deal with it deal with it apostle Guti said something interesting one time he said if you're walking in the road and people keep shouting dog dog ignore them if they do it the second time ignore them again you reach another road and people are shouting dog check you just might have a tail no just think about it this is you may be in this place and maybe this is your fifth church and all the other churches the pastors were just bad-hearted and they didn't like you because of the grace upon your life <laughs> who are we if those anointed pastors could not acknowledge that grace who are we yeah in your sixth department and the department leader always has a problem i'm not saying people don't have problems but if always there's that issue you might have to just check if there's also a way you're not being right it's just the way i talk you can change the way you talk you didn't start talking like that people think i'm rude but it's just the way i talk who says you can't change that if the whole world thinks you're rude then you might just be a bit rude <laughs> okay guys let's end the service <laughs> no no seriously you can't have the whole world accept you. Then they just might be a challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, my issue about reflection is that the things you reflect on deal with them. Are you seeing how your resolutions are shaping up now? Because you're also identifying matters you have to deal with. So when a person or not, I've been identifying certain matters I need to deal with. For example, I need to be nicer. <laughs> No, I'm not even joking. <laughs> Who said yes, pastor? <laughs> Another thing, let me tell you one thing that I recognized I needed to work on. 
this year. I need to become more of an apologetic. Now, you know what an apologetic is, right? An apologetic is a person who will sit down with you and explain why. I realized there were many things that I was doing and people never understood the why, so they misunderstood me. For example, just in this sermon, the stuff I've explained to you, have you understood me a bit better? Yeah. So I realized I need to start explaining to people why. But why is he so strict with this area? Why does he talk about this like this? How come he does that like that? I realized I need to start explaining why. Because I've noticed that being misunderstood doesn't help with the vision. <laughs> Praise God. So now, what I'm doing, even if I rebuke someone, I'll explain why I've rebuked them. If a report has come and I don't like it, I'll explain what I don't like about the report. I won't just say go redo it. Otherwise, it will come back 15 times. Like there were some reports I was analyzing this morning. Praise God. I think almost all of them are going back, right? For some retouching. But I've explained why. Ask your neighbor. Is there any one thing you're working on in the next year? Ask, ask, ask. That's all for today. You know, just now, the thought that was coming to mind, how many of you know that King Saul hated David and persecuted him? But how many of you realize that King Saul never had a bad testimony about David? The Bible says David behaved himself wisely before the king. Friends, we may not always, I'm using we, in short, me and the leadership, we may not always have been at our best. But do we have a good testimony about you? As you're making your reflections, my earnest appeal is that you also reflect on being a good church member. Don't make this vision hard. Be the one that makes it easy. Praise God. Now, in this same reflection, is there anyone here who your chances of making it to heaven may not be so high right now? You need, you need to give your life to Christ and you know it. You're a prayer away from doing that. If there's anyone in that position, I don't have that much time, I would want you to raise your hand very quickly. Somebody who's just saying, Pastor, you know, I want to get money yet. Can I see that hand? Anybody else? I see, okay. We've got quite a number. Stand, 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 stand. Lift your hands, please. Congratulations on this decision made an amazing decision say after me say Lord Jesus I believe you are the son of God and I confess you as my Lord Amen can I tell you what has just happened right now you've all experienced a judgment you know the judgment you've experienced the moment you come under somebody as your master they take the way, just hold on. The way being a master was in those days is that when somebody owns you, it means they've got your liabilities. Meaning, if you're owing, it's not you owing, it's them owing. So, the moment you say, Lord Jesus, what happened is you came under his lordship, under his mastery. And it means all your liabilities became his. And then guess what? For him, he decided that you won't be his slaves. He decided that he will raise you to the place of fellowship where he's not ashamed to call you his brother and his sister. 
and his inheritance is yours. You want to learn more? Salvation course, which is a course you're about to do. God bless you guys and congratulations. You were the first one. What's your name? Gift. Congratulations on being the first one. You guys can... No, you, you just pass that side. They're going to take down your details. They will add you to a WhatsApp group. When they add you to that group, the body at our way, shan, shan, shan. Let me just pray for us all. What song are you going to play as we pray? Do you not play Old Church Basement? see anything wrong let me just wait for them with the lights so staged i even love it when the crowd gets loud singing out god's praises but every now and then it can get a little complicated so i remember when i was in the old church basement singing hallelujah is all i when I think of your goodness, your love for me, oh hallelujah, with a new melody, I'm singing, oh, oh. One last time, just one last time. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us about the joy of our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us. Thank you. 
Thank you. We lift up holy hands in this house. And Lord, even as we are in this period of reflection, our ears are open to your counsel. Our hearts are open to your voice. We are open to your direction. Anything that blocks us from obeying, from hearing you, Lord, destroy it. We make a decision to live lives that are yielded, to live as men who are judged, to run as one who's trying to win the race, not to punch as one who punches in the air. We make a decision to live a life of purpose. Lord, I pray for each and every one that, Lord, in any area of weakness, any area of weakness, help us in the name of Jesus. For you are our strength and you've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. I pray in the name of Jesus for anyone who needs to make a decision that you convict them by your spirit. Let them be able to hear you clearly and let them get direction. Lord, I pray for anyone having any challenge with an addiction, with a habit, that in the name of Jesus, that habit is destroyed in Jesus' name. I pray, oh God, for anyone who's having any challenge because of an attack from the enemy, one that keeps repeating itself. I decree and declare that attack comes to an end now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that when it's all said and done and we stand before you, when it's all said and done and we stand before you, let all of us receive that crown of life. Let all of us receive that reward. And Lord, on that day, with one voice, there will be no deacons or elders, apostles or pastors, everyone just being a child of God. And we will sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. One more time. Let's just do it like we'll do it in heaven. Sing.
and gentlemen, we'll see you next week. We're having our Christmas service and we're giving our partnership Sunday, the last one for the year. Let us give bountifully and joyfully. Your week is blessed. Let's say the grace. The amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God. And the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Be with us all. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow us. All the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord. Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.